You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. It's going to be a busy one, a mix of Tennessee basketball and football as Typically is the case here on the show. In the first segment today, Tennessee continues to sit in a really good position in basketball. The Vols are atop the SEC standings. They do have company, though. I'll tell you about the latest results in the SEC last night. The second half of SEC play, as I've continued to say, I think is going to be really interesting for Tennessee. The Vols are in a great position, but there is a lot of work to be done in SEC play this season. Coming up here in segment number one, Ashley Fox, longtime college and pro sports reporter, earlier this week talked to Rick Barnes about his Tennessee basketball team. She's known Rick a long time. She's going to tell you about what Rick had to say about Tennessee and her belief that Tennessee can compete for a national title this year. We'll get to that in segment number one. In the second segment, it's mailbag time. I'll get in a few football questions, a lot of them related to how Tennessee will close out this 2019 class and trying to answer some questions on how these numbers work and what do I mean when I'm talking about, hey, they can only bring in 25 guys or 85 guys on the team. I'll get to that coming up in segment number two. And in the third segment of today's show, author and speaker John Gordon talking about the culture of a team and locker room. And I think that applies to Tennessee. What is Jeremy Pruitt trying to do right now? instill the right kind of culture at Tennessee. John Gordon will talk about that and the importance of it and why it's been successful for teams like Clemson in college football and the LA Rams in the NFL. That's coming up in segment number three of Locked on Vols. Your team every day, five days a week here talking about what's going on with Tennessee. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, the third-party apps, your smart speaker. It's Locked on Vols. So Tennessee's basketball team is in a great position. It's ranked number one in the country. It's unbeaten in SEC play. The Vols are 7-0 in the SEC. So is LSU. LSU won impressively 72-57 at Texas A&M last night. So Will Wade's Tigers continue to win. And like Tennessee, LSU has not played the toughest of its SEC schedule yet. That's still to come. LSU will actually host Tennessee later on in the season. Still, LSU is a top 20 team. It had a pretty remarkable comeback this past Saturday against Missouri on the road to force overtime and then win the game there. So LSU improves to 7-0 with a 15-point win over Texas A&M. A&M is Tennessee's opponent coming up on Saturday. Auburn blew out Missouri last night. Maybe that helps Auburn get back on track as the Tigers really needed that when Auburn's now 3-4 and in the SEC. And then Florida hit a three with just a few seconds to go in regulation to tie the game to go into overtime, and then Florida won in OT, 90-86. So Mike White's team really needed that one and got it. Another loss for Ole Miss, which is still 4-3 and three and in good shape in the SEC. But I, th- I think the point there is with a little more than half of SEC play remaining, there's still a long way to go, and Tennessee still has to go to LSU. Tennessee still has to go to Ole Miss. That game at Kentucky on February 16th is going to be a big one. There's a really good chance Tennessee can cruise through the next four games leading up to Kentucky. Nothing is guaranteed. The Alabama and Vanderbilt games proved that over the last couple of weeks. Going to Texas A&M is not a guaranteed win for Tennessee, but it is one that Tennessee should win. 
I think. Uh, Tennessee is projected as around a 10-point favorite or better in the four games leading up to Kentucky. From there, it could get really difficult. And uh, Tennessee will have a very good chance to win the SEC, and I would say is the favorite to do so right now. But there is work to be done, and nobody knows that better than Rick Barnes, Tennessee's basketball coach. And that was the message, I think, that he delivered to Ashley Fox, formerly of ESPN. She talked to Rick earlier this week about how his team has played so far this season, but what's coming up next for the Vols. So on Sports 180 on WNML in Knoxville on Wednesday, we talked to Ashley, and I asked her, first thing, what stood out about your conversation with Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes? Here's what she had to say. Right. Well, I was prepping to do a um, another radio hit with former Wake Forest and South Carolina basketball coach Dave Odom. And so I texted Rick and said, hey, I'm doing the show, and um, can you tell me something smart to say about your team? You know, because obviously I was aware they're number one and then won their 14th straight. And so he called me about an hour later, and um, we talked about, you know, a couple different things. Um, one was he said, you know, he had just, had a meeting with his team earlier that day and he'd asked them a pretty pointed question, which I thought was interesting, which was, is our best, our best basketball behind us or is it ahead of us? And in his opinion, you know, they hadn't quite had it just yet because they hadn't had their full complement of guys, you know, at, at really any point. And, um, you know, even so he said, you know, we were down 19-5 to five to West Virginia, and I never thought we were in danger of losing that game, even though, you know, he wasn't particularly pleased with how they played in some stretches. Um, and then he said, you know, we've never been a pretty team, but I do think that our best basketball still is ahead of us. And I think you saw, you know, even with Jordan Bowden out last night, which I think obviously was a surprise to everyone, um, that they, you know, they had – they played probably – one of their most complete games of the season, which is, you know, a good sign. Yeah, what do you think that says about Tennessee's basketball team, that they were able to do that without Bowden, as you mentioned, and that Rick Barnes has that belief in his team that their best basketball is still ahead? Well, as I'm sure you've heard him say, you know, he, he thinks that they have seven starters, which is a great, a great situation to have. And um, one of the things he also had talked about uh, when we spoke on Sunday night was, just the impact Jordan Bowden had had, you know, after, you know, he obviously started the first five games of the year and did not play well at all. I mean, he shot 37.9% from the field and averaged only 6.8 points per game. And, you know, when he decided to sit him, he wanted Bowden to come, you know, to kind of get his act together and to, to be able to play how he practiced which at that point in the season he wasn't doing. And he said, you know, he's responded beautifully. And in the last seven games prior, I mean, he didn't play last night, obviously, but in the the seven games prior to that, he shot 56.2% from the field and averaged 16 points and had really worked himself into, you know, being considered sixth man of the year. And so I think he was really, he was really, really proud of that. And so I think that's another reason why last night was such a, such a concern for him. But I think he's going to – sounds like he'll have him back for Saturday, Saturday night. On the court, what do you think about 
that rates that will eventually be there that will likely include Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, uh, the Michigan schools, Kentucky probably, but those schools that will try to win a national championship when we get to March? I think what you're going to have to see, especially from Tennessee, is that you know they, they clean up the mistakes that they've shown. I mean, he was saying that you know he told the players after the West Virginia game, you know, look at the tape. It doesn't lie. You know, there were some ugly parts to it. And, uh, you know, in, in March, obviously, good guard play is always crucial. I think they've got that. You know, they've, they've got um, depth. They've got good inside play. I mean, I think Grant Williams is one of the best players out there. He's obviously in the running for the Wooden Award. Um, and they've got veteran leadership. So I think they have the entire mix. It's just, you know, what are the matchups going to be? How do they respond? You know, are they the, depending on how the rest of the season goes, I mean, the, everyone's going to be gunning for them. How do they respond to that? But I like their chances. I do too. That's Ashley Fox, longtime sports reporter. AshleyFoxSpeaker.com is her website if you want to find out more about the work that she's doing right now. Appreciate her taking some time to talk about Tennessee's basketball team. The Vols are very much in the mix, and it's still early. We're here in the final day of January. Still early, but Tennessee's in the mix with the national championship conversation, that conversation's not going to end anytime soon. This is Locked on Vols, your team every day. Coming up in just a moment, some mailbag questions. A look at uh, Tennessee trying to pursue a highly touted player who's committed to another SEC school, where things stand there, and filling in some blanks on some of the terminology that I've been using recently. The portal and transfers. How does that work? Committable versus non-committable offers. That's A big question oftentimes in recruiting. I'll do my best to answer those questions coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. And remember, if you ever have time to rate and review the show, it's a big help. Five-star reviews really help the podcast there on iTunes. Thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed the show so far. It is a big help. Locked On Vols is here five days a week. The only daily Tennessee podcast talking about What's going on with UT? March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, mailbag time. I want to work in a few questions, and thanks to everybody who has sent them in. I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward, and Facebook.com slash Josh Ward is a great way. The uh, first question comes from Curtis, and it is a multi-part question here from Curtis. The first is explaining the transfer portal and if players still have to sit out a year when they transfer. And the answer is yes, that nothing really changes with the transfer process, although We are watching to see with what happens with Justin Fields going to Ohio State from Georgia and Martell leaving Ohio State to go to Miami. They have applied for waivers to be able to play right away, and if those are granted, does that change the transfer process? But the portal is simply a database. The the word's kind of funny, isn't it? The transfer portal. It's like they're going into some kind of machine or ship and they come out a new person. But it's really just a database. If a player has not graduated and decides to transfer, his name goes into the transfer portal 
but he still has to sit out where he's going next. If a player has graduated, so the, the prospect is a grad transfer, well, then he can play right away elsewhere. The reason Fields at Ohio State and Martell at Miami are applying for waivers for immediate eligibility is because they have not graduated. And that is a big story to follow here in the offseason of college football. Do they get those waivers? Are they able to play right away, one or the other? That's something to pay attention to because that would almost create some kind of precedent, I think, for future prospects leaving. It could at least. But, uh, Curtis, if a player decides to transfer and he has not graduated by NCAA rule right now, yes, he would still have to sit out. And a, uh, another part of the question from Curtis, explaining the 85-25 rule. And the numbers can be confusing, but it should be pretty simple. The 85 scholarship limit rule simply means you can't go into camp with more than 85 players on scholarship. So right now it's not as big of a deal because you have so many players who have signed who won't be coming in until the summer. But this summer, Tennessee needs to get the numbers to the right amount at 85. And that's why I've said that Tennessee needs players to still leave Tennessee because at the end of the season, with the amount of players who had eligibility remaining, Tennessee had too many players on scholarship considering the Vols plan to bring in probably another 23 players in this class. Now with the 25 rule, there is some flexibility there. You can sign up to 25 players any given year, but that number can be moved around. For example, last year, if a school had signed 20 players, this year a school could sign 30 players if it has five early enrollees who could be counted back to a previous year's class. Let's take Tennessee for an example. This year, Tennessee most likely can bring in 23 players because two of the grad transfers who came in this past fall, Keller Christ and Madre London, have to count this year. It's the initial counter rule. When a player comes in, if he's taking a visit to your school, he has to count somewhere. So D'Angelo Gibbs transferred from Georgia to Tennessee. He took an official visit. So D'Angelo has to count as one of the 25 players being added to the roster. So the, the number can be confusing because coaches can find loopholes at times, but the rule is essentially you can only bring in 25 players each year. Coaches are always trying to find ways around that in some way. Curtis, good questions. I appreciate it. Uh, Curtis also asked about players who were able to redshirt at Tennessee this past fall. I'm going to get to that next week because I, I think that's important and probably needs a deeper dive. But uh, Curtis, thanks again for the questions. Ryan sent in a question about wide receiver George Pickens. What are the chances Tennessee can land him? I think Tennessee is a long shot right now, but Tennessee is taking it shot. And Govals 247 reported earlier this week that he is planning to visit Tennessee this upcoming weekend. Pickens is a highly touted five-star wide receiver, Under Armour All-American, from Hoover High School in Alabama. And you might recognize Hoover as that's where Jeremy Pruitt coached before he went to Alabama in 2007. So there are some natural connections with Jeremy Pruitt and Kevin Scherer to that area. And then T. Martin joining the staff can only help Tennessee. Joining Tennessee to most likely coach wide receivers, he has connections in the state of Alabama and is just a good recruiter. And also Jim Chaney has a connection with George Pickens. So Tennessee appears to be taking its shot to try to get Pickens away from Auburn. Other schools have tried as well. 
He visited Miami recently. Florida has been in the mix. So has Georgia for George Pickens. So I wouldn't call Tennessee the favorite by any means. I don't even know if Tennessee's the favorite to steal him away from Auburn. Georgia's gotten a good amount of attention in that regard. But I think a lot of people are uncertain right now what Pickens is going to do. And with that uncertainty remaining, well, Tennessee is going to take its shot there. And uh, there have been reports that Pickens has some academic work to take care of. So that's something to pay attention to as well. But the Vols would love to add more speed and another skill position player if possible. And that gets back to numbers with Tennessee recruiting Darnell Wright and two linebackers that it would love to land. Is there room? That's a little unknown, but Tennessee will work to get George Pickens in if George Pickens wants to be at Tennessee. Ryan, thanks for the question about uh, Pickens in the recruiting class. And then the final question comes from Andrew, who asked if I can explain what it means when scholarship offers are referred to as committable or non-committable. And it's a good question because it's very difficult to answer. I think a lot of times when a prospect receives an offer in the recruiting process, one thing we have to wonder is, okay, if he wanted to commit today, would the school take his commitment? Uh, A school can offer a scholarship and still be slow in the recruiting process or even take a commitment and then cool off on a player like Tennessee and Jalil Clemens. Jalil Clemens committed to Tennessee back in the summer, but late in the fall, as the recruiting process was getting closer to the early signing day, I think Tennessee essentially stopped recruiting Jalil Clemens. So the scholarship offer was not pulled, but Tennessee was probably not going to take Jalil Clemens. So his scholarship offer, while he had been committed, was no longer committable. That's something that I think high school coaches have to make sure their players understand. Some guys, there is no doubt. Like Darnell Wright, five-star offensive lineman, when he was receiving scholarship offers, they were committable to every school. Same with Wanya Morris. When he was receiving scholarship offers, they were good right away at any of those schools that were offering. Other players, it can be a little more difficult to tell because schools might offer a scholarship to a number of players at one position But then also add in, we'd like you to come to campus. We'd like you to uh, maybe camp. Tennessee is one of the players to camp at times. And that's often before a scholarship is offered. But it it can be difficult to read, Andrew. So there is no clear answer here. But uh, sometimes if a school has, quote, offered a scholarship, but you're not sure how hard the school is recruiting the player quite yet, that can be an indication that the offer is not committable. One other thing I would say is that it's kind of just the ugly part of recruiting. Sometimes kids get burned. Sometimes schools get burned as well. But you always hate it when a high school prospect ends up being burned in the process and has to scramble at some time. To me, the most important thing is clear communication. If a school is upfront and is honest, well, then you don't run into as many problems. But sometimes that can be easier said than done. I do appreciate the questions for today's mailbag. Kind of recruiting heavy on today's show. Remember, I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward and Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. I want to bring you part of a conversation I had with John Gordon, who is a well-known author and speaker. He's written books like The Energy Bus and The Power of a Positive Team. And John Gordon has become very well-known in the sports world because of the connection he's made with a number of teams at the college and professional level who have won at the highest level. 
John has been very much connected to Clemson with Davo Sweeney. He has spoken at Tennessee, by the way, in the past. And recently, he's worked with Sean McVay in the LA Rams. And the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend against the New England Patriots this upcoming weekend. It's really a long list of teams, again, at the pro and college level that Gordon has spoken to. And I had a chance to talk to him, and we talked about culture and behind the scenes, everything that goes into putting a team together. And I thought it was a fitting conversation because that's what Jeremy Pruitt is trying to do right now. It takes more than a year, that's for sure, especially with Tennessee being in the position that it's been in. And I think over the last two or three years, there have been some real questions about where is the culture at Tennessee? Where's the leadership, the discipline, all, all of those things. So I talked to John Gordon, author and speaker, about the importance of building a team, establishing a program, and what you want the culture within that program to be. Oh, it's everything. I've worked with Clemson football the past seven years, the Los Angeles Dodgers and Dave Roberts the last three years, worked with Mike Smith for, with the Atlanta Falcons for you know, seven years. And we talked about it in our book, You Win in the Locker Room First. It was all about the culture. The first five years, culture was strong. Only Bill Belichick won more games than Mike Smith in those five years. But the last two, they sort of lost the culture. They got away from what got them and made them successful. So this trend is really moving in the direction of, of, of culture. I mean, if you don't have a culture, you're not going to be successful. So you have to build your culture. And I think the, the younger coaches and coaches who want to be successful are, are realizing it. Organizations are realizing it. I really think we need owners to realize it. A lot of times the owners and the GMs don't understand the importance of culture. I think the coach gets it, but you have to have the owner, the GM, and the coach of an organization really align towards that because a team that's not connected to the top will crumble at the bottom. And, uh, John, you've been in Knoxville before. You've spoken to the University of Tennessee football team, and they had a coaching change a little more than a year ago. And so one of those words you just mentioned, culture, we've talked about that word a lot in Knoxville, as you would probably imagine. But Tennessee's experienced a lot of change. How how difficult can it be to try to get the right kind of culture, what you want in place? How challenging can that be, whether we're talking about a, a coach or a business leader, whatever the case might be? Yeah, well, Butch Jones was a big energy bus guy, so a lot of guys have given me a hard time on social media from Knoxville, you know, because they didn't have success. And I think the change, obviously, was, was you know, successful for them and, and warranted. I think when a new coach comes in, they then establish their culture and create their success. I mean, I think there's always a lot of factors that go into it. I always say that it's not the book that makes a team. It's not my talk, right? I worked with the Cleveland Browns a few years ago. I did not help them very much. And, well, I spoke to them just once. But what I've learned is that it's really all about the leader. If the leader doesn't drive the culture, if the leader doesn't live the culture, if the leader is not sharing the principles and reinforcing them, then you're not going to have success. You have to be relentless with your culture. And when you are a new coach coming in, you have to say, hey, what do we want to build here? What do we stand for? And everyone on the team has to understand what you stand for. The word culture comes from the word cult. So the cult of a team should be so strong that the outside world goes, wow, there's something unique and different and great about that team. Author John Gordon, and I think that's the biggest challenge that Jeremy Pruitt faces. Recruiting matters, X's and O's matter. That should not be discounted at all. Of course it matters. But making sure that 
everybody's buying in to what Jeremy Pruitt is trying to get Tennessee to be. That means his coaching staff, that's his strength staff, the support staff, and for sure, the players. And to this point, I think overall things have gone okay. The The end of the 2018 season was certainly concerning. The thought that players maybe just wanted the season to be over by the time Missouri and Vanderbilt arrived. Those thoughts were concerning. Big picture, Jeremy Pruitt is trying to do a lot behind the scenes at Tennessee, and he's trying to do it for the first time as a head coach. I think he recognizes the challenge of that, and I think that's why bringing in good people to help him with that. Having Philip Fulmer as the athletic director, that has to help. But Jim Chaney, who's been a part of a big-time winning program at Georgia and has been in this business for a long time, a coaching staff that has recruited successfully at big-time programs, that can help as well. I think that's a big part of the challenge, again, that Jeremy Pruitt is facing right now. One other thought from John Gordon. You can check out his website, jongordon.com, to to find out more about his books and all that. But uh, he's also gotten to know Lane Kiffin a little bit, which I thought was interesting because Lane's had some criticism, you're probably well aware of, with his different stops, including in Knoxville. So I wanted to see what John Gordon thinks about Lane Kiffin, who's now at Florida Atlantic and has been the head coach there the past two seasons. Listen to what John said about what he's learned about former Tennessee head coach Lane Kiffin. I've learned that, you know, he's, he's someone who is uh, very introspective. He, he does recognize his, you know, his, his uh, faults and, and flaws. He has, was much more humble than I thought he was from the outside. I think he's going through a, a transition, a transformation as, as a person. I, he is, you know, finding his faith. Is he a perfect human being? No, I don't think anyone is, but I, I do think he's someone who, who wants to get better and, and really, um, you know, wants to be a better coach. I know that he really cares about his players. He, you know, in the past may have been accused about being about himself, but you can see that he really cares about his players. So when I showed up, I had, you know, I'd never met him before. All I knew was what I saw on, on the media. And quite honestly, I didn't think I was going to like him. <laughs> and, uh, and I told him that. I said, you know, I didn't think I was going to like you at all. But when you invited me down here, I said, yeah, I'll come down and, and meet with you and, and, you know, and just see what you're all about and see what the team's about. And then when I got there, I really was like, wow, I, I, uh, I, li- I like them. I really like them a lot. And so I, I see a lot of good attributes in them. And um, I think, uh, I, think I, I, I think and I hope that is his best coaching years are ahead of him. Interesting thoughts there from John Gordon. I appreciate his time talking about Lane Kiffin, talking about the culture behind the scenes with football and sports teams, and I think that conversation does apply to Tennessee. Thanks for being a part of the conversation today here on Locked on Vols on tomorrow's show. A look ahead to the weekend for Tennessee's basketball team, getting ready to play Texas A&M on Saturday. Another look at recruiting with the final weekend coming up ahead of next Wednesday's National Signing Day. I'll get to all of that tomorrow on Locked on Vols. It's available on all the podcast platforms. If you do have time to rate and review the show, please do so. Thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed and helped spread the word about Locked on Vols. I'll see you here tomorrow.